you are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Jeff Garcia, and this is Locked On Spurs. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, your San Antonio Spurs uh, have the day off. Uh, They don't resume play until tomorrow night when they host the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hopefully we'll be another thrilling game uh, since the last time these two teams met in San Antonio. Remember that double overtime 56-point outing for LaMarcus? Yep, hopefully they'll have some more fireworks again. Um, But... Uh, there are a few things we're going to be talking about today, uh, namely a name that you and all of Spurs fandom will still love and embrace, Jaja Pachulia. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to be talking about him and how Spurs fans still boo him despite the fact Kawhi Leonard is no longer a Spur. We're also going to talk about the Spurs' recent win over the Pistons. Yeah, you heard me right. A wind. Yay. Uh, to snap their three-game losing streak. And then a round off, uh, apparently the Spurs fans are not tuning in to their television tubes anymore. At least a decrease has been noticed uh, when the Spurs uh, play. So to do that and more, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, News 4 San Antonio's own, Jim Lefko. And Jim, I think fans that are listening in right now are shocked by the quality of this uh, this show right now. Uh, we got good quality, at least for this one show, Jim. As I said off the air, let's hope our words are as good as our, our sound. Yeah. Hey, listen, speaking of sounds, you heard a bunch of sounds at the AT&T Center when you took in uh, the uh, Spurs uh, Pistons game. And by sound, I mean a lot of boo birds uh, came out for uh, Public Enemy, I guess, number three or two now. Depends on the list. Uh, Zsa Zsa well, Pachulia. Uh, how, how was that scene in the AT&T Center? Well, the, the folks I went to the game with, uh, their theory is that now that Spurs fans have had a taste of booing Kawhi, they like what they hear, so they're going to roll it out whenever they can. And uh, I don't know how many of them even knew that Judge Apachulia was a, a member of the Detroit Pistons. But uh, there he was, pregame, shooting around, you know, warming up. And I told some people next to me that uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets booed uh, when he comes to the game. And they said, nah, that was a few years ago. It was Kawhi and all that. Time heals all wounds. Well, the minute he got inserted in the game, the boo started. Every time he touched the ball, uh, people booed him pretty uh, pretty loudly. And I, I think the, the most amusing thing was kind of watching the faces of the people on the Pistons, you know, the other Pistons players, you know, Zsa teammates, because I don't think they had a clue to what was going on. Because obviously Pachulia was being booed because of when he was with Golden State. And while it was a huge deal locally, I can't imagine too many guys for the Detroit Pistons paid much attention to that. <laughs> yeah. So I think there was uh, some, some raised eyebrows on what was going on because Zsa Pachulia doesn't usually contribute, you know, too much positively or negatively. So for him to get that reaction, I think was, was kind of stunning to the Pistons. But it was Here's fun to be my... part of. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm I mean, sorry. I didn't mean to catch no, you. I was just going to – no, I was, the only thing I was going to say is that uh, it didn't have the, the mean-spiritedness, I think, that the Kawhi Venom had. This one was more just clearing your throat, you know, booing, having fun with it. Uh, you know, Patchouli is not a star player. I, I still would argue that, uh, you know, I, I, I never saw intent with that play. I don't like Patchouli. I think he is kind of a borderline dirty uh-huh. player, but – People forget that Kawhi already had the uh, the ankle problem, and then he landed on Zaja's foot, and you know everything went downhill from there. But uh, you know, Zaja smiled a couple times about it, so you know life goes on. Well, here's my question, and I put it out there uh, among Spurs fans, and I questioned uh, during the game: Are we still booing Zaja? Not because I was being silly or just poking fun, but it was a serious question. I think Spurs fans took it the wrong way and thought that I was just making a joke, but. 
I guess my question is, Jim, is this. Um, one, Kawhi Leonard's not a spur anymore. Two, anytime you or me are at the spur zone, which you can find at newsforcesanantonio.com and fox29sanantonio.com, write about, mention Kawhi. You and I, we get roasted. Let him go. Let him go. Move on. Why are you still talking about he's not a spur? Well, Zaja is a link to Kawhi. Uh, when they're almost synonymous before he uh, forced his way out to Toronto. Shouldn't Spurs fans let that aspect of Kawhi's chapter go as well? Part of being a fan is not having to be consistent. And I think uh, <laughs> you, you hit it on the head. Uh, it is ridiculous. Um, if Kawhi is public enemy number one, then in a weird sort of way, wouldn't you be happy that Jaja injured him? Right. You know, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that thinking. I'm just saying if you followed it through to its natural conclusion. My theory is, when Kawhi was injured, when he stepped on Jaja's foot, it was when Kawhi was on good graces. So the good Kawhi that we all enjoyed watching was injured by bad Jaja. So that's what they're booing. The fact that circumstances have changed, that just makes it ironic. But now they're booing a guy who injured a guy who basically, you know, flipped San Antonio off, uh, right. so to speak, when he left. So, yeah, it, it, there was irony all over the place, you know, with that whole situation. But I just go back to it's fun for fans to boo. They've had a taste of it now, and uh, – you know, I don't think Jaja Quachulia, who knows how many more times he'll come back here. Fans don't circle <laughs> yeah. their calendars to come boo Jaja. <laughs> Again, I, I would bet 95% of the people when they walked in the building didn't even know that Jaja Pachulia played for the Pistons. So it was a little unexpected bonus to get to uh, boo him, uh, you know, two or three times that he got inserted in the game. But, yeah, it, it didn't compare on the noise meter anywhere close to the you know, the animosity that you and I heard when, uh, when Kawhi made his unsuccessful return to San Antonio last month. Yeah, and, and I think that's where Spurs fans and I, we, we became disconnected. And it wasn't just me and Spurs fans. It was also uh, some of our colleagues in San Antonio who maybe don't work uh, with uh, uh, the station that you and I work with uh, reacting to me, asking me if I'm crazy, why are you asking this? But I thought it was a legit question uh, simply because nope. I thought that Spurs fans actually would be applauding Jaja when you were at the game or in the AT&T Center or maybe saying, Thank you, Jaja. Something to that effect. Only, only just to stick it to Kawhi. Well, there's there's a code that I guess uh, we in the media have to take our our marching instructions from fans, and that's uh, what happens when a player leaves the Spurs. Is he going to be beloved or is he going to be hated? Yeah. And uh, obviously, in the case of uh, Danny Green, you know, when he comes back, beloved. Tony Parker, beloved. Uh, you know, and so it kind of goes downhill from there. But then at the opposite end, you have Kawhi Leonard, hated. Yeah. So anything that pertains to that somebody's beloved, you know, it'd be funny if somebody injured a, a former spur now, what the reaction would be here. Like, let's yeah. say the situation was reversed and Tony Parker got injured by a cheap shot when he was playing for Charlotte. Would whoever injured him then get booed in San Antonio because they, they injured a favorite son, even though he wasn't playing for the Spurs? That's true. I would argue, I would argue no. But the point is some people just are lifetime Spurs, whether they play on their team or not. And they're always going to be, you know, part of the family. And if you leave under the wrong circumstances, you know, a Dennis Rodman, a Stephen mm-hmm. Jackson, uh, Kawhi Leonard, then you're always going to be uh, you're going to be hated. So it's interesting to see how that shakes out. Some guys, I guess, are in the middle where you kind of like them and kind of dislike them, uh, or you can hope that they do well against every team but the Spurs. But again, that's part of the fun of being a fan. You know, you don't have to be consistent. You don't have to be. Uh, you know, it can be arbitrary and it can be ironic. But I think most of the people that were booing Jaja last night kind of had a little wry smile on their face, and they didn't <laughs> have that smile on their face when when Kawhi Leonard was in the building. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, uh, speaking of uh, the AT&T Center and you being there, um, by the way, by the way, how was it just to actually enjoy a game and actually have to work a game? Um, I 
I miss those days. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I got some friends who had seats uh, right behind the Pistons bench, and uh, you see the game so much differently from whatever perspective you know you're watching it from. And you know, you see the little things uh, after the game. You know, the Pistons tough loss for them, and uh, boy, I can't remember now who it was, but there was a couple of uh, players who were walking off the court, and you know, there's always a few fans of the other team with their jerseys on, and mm-hmm. somebody had a Bill Lane beer jersey on, which was kind of <laughs> amusing. And one of the players took off his shoes, autographed them, and, and handed them to the kid. Uh, he wasn't a kid, he was an adult. Nice. But handed them to him as he walked out. So it's just a nice little gesture. Yeah. You, know, you see the way the players interact and their body language on the bench. Um, I had a really good vantage point being down low to see uh, uh, one of Bellinelli's off-balance uh, leaning 25-footers that, that went in <laughs> from an impossible angle. And you just, I've always marveled at the way he shoots anyway, but to be maybe 10 feet from him when he hit that shot, it was just a routine shot for him. But you just marvel at the athleticism, and in, in Marco's case, the unorthodox nature of you know, his his running, leaning, twisting jump shots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fun to observe it from a different perspective and, and sit with friends and, and see how fans react to a game instead of uh, you know always being surrounded by journalists who you know have to be impassive. But uh, that was that was a fun fun evening, and uh, enjoyed watching it. And again, I. When I told folks I thought Joshua would get booed and they didn't think he would, I, I feel pretty good about predicting uh, fan behavior, at least in that one aspect. Well, uh, prior to the game, you and I uh, spoke and um, you predicted a win, and obviously that came true. Uh, let's go ahead and break it down. Uh, the Spurs, as mentioned earlier in the show, Jim, snapped their three-game uh, losing streak. Um, shocking, they won in San Antonio, a place where they are very strong, went out 23-7, and um, dominant over the East teams that come through San Antonio. Uh, swept the season series versus the Pistons. Uh, all in all, Jim, it was a good win. I'm not going to say it was a great win. I, th- I th- thought it was a very good win. I think they needed it. Um, they needed to have some sort of positivity coming off a horrific rodeo road trip. And I want to start off with the uh, play of uh, DeMar DeRozan. Um, after the game, uh, Bellinelli simply said, and I wrote about it at, at the Spurs Zone, that he loves playing with DeRozan. And uh, they go back to their Toronto days when DeRozan was still just a kid. He was a rookie still. Um, but he looked pretty well, again, facilitating scoring the basket. He looked like he's found his rhythm simply because he's been off for quite a, quite a few games now, Jim. Yeah, it was it was an odd game. You know, he came within a couple of assists of a triple-double. Yeah. And uh, we were watching that, and you we know, were kind of hoping he'd get it uh, because you know, he got the, the first one of his career in the Kawhi Leonard game on, uh, in January here. But uh, it was it was an odd game. I don't know that I would say he had a great game. Yeah, he missed. He had a he had a bad minute or two. I remember telling somebody sitting next to me that he can have a great game, but he goes through these stretches where he'll just have a bad minute. He'll miss a shot he should have made, and he'll come back and maybe make a defensive lapse and commit a turnover. You know, two or three things in a row. But overall, a guy that almost gets a triple double. I'm going to say it's more positive than negative. And uh, you know, kind of a slow start. Uh, the jumper's still rounding into form. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, when a guy you know fills up the stat sheet like that, I think you got to give him a check mark for for playing a solid game. He made a couple steals that were impressive, and I, I still think he should, uh, you know, uh, with his instincts and uh, his athleticism, that you know he should be coming up with more of those. Um, I think he was part of the collective defensive effort that was really impressive, and that to me was why I might argue with you in one respect. I think it was a great win because of the way they won. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a phenomenal shooting night. I think by the end they did it end up at fifty percent. But it was, to me, an exceptional defensive performance. And yeah. uh, just being able to slow that Detroit team down, hold a team under 100 points again, which has long been the barometer for great defense. And, boy, your man, Yaka Pirtle, you know, no, blocking yeah. shots all over the place. It's a double-double. We were joking that he might get a triple-double if they leave him out there long enough to block a few more shots. Uh, that one highlight film block he had was amazing. But you know, it was just a fun defensive game. I like watching good defense. Not to the point where the game is in the 70s. But, you know, this was a, a well-played game. 
you know, about 50 points each half for each team, and the Spurs mm-hmm. would pull away, and Detroit would claw back, and the Spurs got some stops when they needed to, and that's their recipe for victory. Yeah, so I I'm, think the timing the timing was great, and the, the defense was great. So those are the two things I would say are the, the keys to that victory. Yeah, I was actually saving for Pirtle for last, but uh, I'm still going to stick with that. <laughs> but the reason why I uh, say it was a good game was because we saw something that the Spurs are really good at this season and didn't really look good versus the Pistons. That's turnovers. Uh, 12 turnovers for 15 uh, Detroit uh, points. Uh, they had an ugly second period. I believe they turned the ball over, I want to guess, two to three times in a row, and the Pistons just closed that gap uh, going into the halftime. That coming off a first period where they scored 32 points, uh, over Detroit and only to muster up 19 points in that second quarter. And also, again, uh, in that fourth quarter, it, it got a little close. Um, the Spurs won that Two quarter, 27-26. Yeah. But, again, I didn't see a complete game uh, from San Antonio, considering that I thought they would want to have that kind of complete game coming off the uh, bad rodeo road trip, Jim. Well, you know, it's funny. This deeper in the season, there's still some odd rotations out there. You know, now that Pirtle's back in the starting lineup, that was a bit of a twist. Uh, and then, you know, with Forbes getting hurt early and missing the final three quarters of the game, you know, you had some odd odd looks out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, there were a couple minutes of bad turnovers. I think Patty Mills had two or three in right. one really particularly bad minute and got benched. He got his pocket picked, and uh, he made a bad pass at another point. So, yeah, it's too late in the season to be making those kinds of mistakes, and it probably did allow Detroit to hang around. But, uh, you know, if they're on defensively, you can overcome those mistakes. It's funny how uh, when you're shutting down the other team, uh, you know, it, it, the offense doesn't seem quite as important. Because, you know, the Spurs didn't light it up. Mm-hmm. You know, they, would they finish with 100, you know, low 100. So, yeah, you know, in the NBA, Detroit might be, you know, praising their defense because they held the Spurs down too. And, uh, you know, Davis never got his shot going. And, yeah. You know, there, there were some, some poor shooting performances. But, you know, again, hang your head on the defense because, as Pop mm-hmm. always says, you play a good defensive game, you're usually going to be around at the end. And yeah. when it came time to win, they got the stops they needed, and that was that was the key. Yeah, speaking of uh, bad shooting nights, you know, you had Rudy Gay 0 for 5 uh, for the night. Um, you know, misses all his three-point attempts, two of them. Um, you, you know, but you're right. You know, you, at this point, and especially coming off the bad, uh, Rudy Road Trip. I think a win's a win, and they were desperate. As a matter of fact, uh, Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey used that word a lot in his postgame talk with the media, saying that the Spurs looked desperate. They had that they needed a win kind of look in their eye, and thankfully they got it. Otherwise, um, dropping a fourth game in a row really would have hurt their uh, playoff push. Um, with them barely clinging on to the eight seed at that time, I believe. I think they either moved up to the seventh seed or they're still hanging on with the eighth. But either way, it would have just been bad news for San Antonio. Also, considering at home is where they're dominant, to lose one at home um, would have been really, really bad. Now, speaking of Pirtle, <laughs> Yaka Pirtle. <laughs> Your favorite part of the show. Yes, my favorite part of the show. Um, came out and really wowed the AT&T Center. He finished with a very strong uh, double-double, 11 points, uh, 14 rebounds he also threw in an assist there uh you mentioned the uh, big block on andre drummond he had three for the game um in 34 minutes of play is this something that popovich has to consider moving forward giving big Jakob more minutes and more time with that starting unit well i, I think that might have been a matchup situation with the two bigs that detroit started but i, I do endorsed playing him more minutes and i would say that i'm guessing that we're not going to be see too much more of Pau Gasol. 
And yeah. I think uh, there's only so many backup minutes, and if they're going to go with one big, that's going to be Aldridge, and then that means that, you know, Pirtle comes in off the bench. So there'll be selected times when I think Pirtle can start. But if they're healthy, uh, I, I still like Rudy Gay in the starting lineup, and uh, obviously DeRozan and Aldridge are going to be there, and if that bar- backboard is healthy, uh, we know that, uh, you know, Forbes is going to be in there. Um, so, it, you know, there's no more spots left. So, I, you know, I think that was a situational start, which is fine. It's not like Pirtle's going to sulk if he goes back to the second mm-hmm. team. Uh, but that was that was a good insertion for him, and he played a great game. And, uh, you know, he's he's a rim protector. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know that we would have called him that. He's a big guy. And he not only did he block those three shots, I think he changed three or four others. He was switching out on some of their guards. And, you know, from my vantage point, it looked like a lot of those guard shots were readjusted because they're trying to shoot over a seven-footer. Right. And they, they they should have a category for that, you know, a, mm-hmm. a virtual block or a shot change <laughs> or something. Um, because, I, you know, his presence was really felt out there. And he played with a lot of athleticism. And mm-hmm. It was just fun to see. You know, he's a young guy coming into his own. And, you know, expectations were, were kind of modest for him. But I think he's exceeded the, the kind of player I thought he'd be. And I think he's, I don't say he's going to be a fixture because uh, you never know. But, uh, mm-hmm. boy, his his future looks really bright with this team. It definitely does. And uh, speaking of the future, we're going to take a uh, our first break. We get back um, in a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, more of the Spurs win over the uh, Pistons and highlighting a couple of other players. And we'll be right back. We are back, and I'm joined by Jim Lefko, my colleague at News 4 San Antonio. Follow him on Twitter at Jim Lefko. Jim I mean, I think we got to talk about Derek White. Um, 29 minutes, 15 points, four assists, uh, seven for 12 shooting. He's a plus four for San Antonio. After the game, Popovich said that the team really can see his presence felt and as far as the stability that he brings. What did you see out of White? You were at the game. I mean, what were your thoughts? Uh, he started a little slow, looked a little hesitant with his shot. And what is this, his third or fourth game back? Uh, but man, he was getting in that lane and that little six, seven footer. Uh, it, he just needs to shoot more. Uh, mm-hmm. The more he scores, the more confident he gets. And uh, I know people around me were yelling, "Shoot!" And it looked like he was <laughs> going to pass up some shots that you know are in his wheelhouse. Great, great overall game. You know, good defense, good offense. Uh, it just gives him a calm presence. That uh, you know, he's he's really growing into his own skin, so to speak. He's really turned into a good player. Uh, I don't see really any weaknesses with his game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a shame that Forbes got hurt, but uh, you know they overcame that and. Uh, yeah, in the fourth quarter, White was big. You know, he scored a lot of points and hit some big buckets at key times. You know, sometimes guys will score 20 points in a game and don't notice it. Maybe they got a lot early when the game wasn't, uh, you know, being decided. White got his points when it mattered. And, uh, you know, he's just he's a clutch shooter. Mm-hmm. And that's like that guy in baseball that gets, uh, you know, hits the home run when you're down or up eight to nothing. Well, you really didn't need it then. But the yeah. White, he seems to hit his shots when you do need it. And, uh, you know, there were a couple times when the Pistons were putting a little run on the Spurs and, he just thought, oh, here they go. There was White calming him down, playing it. I think Pop praised his his pace, mm-hmm. and that's that's a hard thing to quantify. I don't think there's any stats that talk you know, describe pace, but I think what Pop means is just there's a calmness. He doesn't turn. You know, you can be fast without rushing, and uh, I think that's what he does. He just has a good way about him when he's in his own zone and, and playing the right way. So uh, I, I thought it was he was the you know one of those unsung heroes on a night when uh, he can't compare to Pirtle. But uh, he had to pick, a, pick another unsung hero. I, I think I'd go with Derek White. Uh, he had a really good overall game. I emailed the uh, Spurs and asked them if they could retire Pirtle's number after the uh, game <laughs> versus the Pistons. Uh, unfortunately, it, that that didn't work at all, Jim. You know, they got to save that. You know, you don't retire <laughs> numbers of active players, and he's got <laughs> ten or twelve years ahead of him, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, all kidding aside, um, 
Uh, one more player we're going to highlight, and then I'll ask you one more question about the game before we head on to our final break. Uh, Bellinelli, 17 points. Uh, he was a plus 16 for San Antonio, uh, 70% shooting in 34 minutes. I mean, I said it before, and I've said it again here on Lockdown Spurs, but when I look at him and his bench play this season, I really, really strongly believe he's kind of been kind of a quiet, unsung hero. Uh, you, you know, DeMar DeRozan has spoken highly about him uh, earlier this season. Um, you know, he shoots great at the AT&T Center during the roadie road trip. He had a couple of great games uh, despite losses. Uh, once again, he was there quietly doing what he has to do for the San Antonio Spurs to get the W, Jim. Yeah, he's one of those guys, if you were teaching your kid how to play basketball, you would not show him Marco Bellinelli's <laughs> jump shot. Because he's, no. he's such an unorthodox... Uh, uh, he obviously can shoot well when he's you know stationary and gets the ball in regular shooting form. But he, I think, leads the NBA in leaning off-balance you know, long shots. Yeah. I, I just, it's uncanny how accurate he is. And again, sitting down low like I was, which is kind of a rarity for me, to watch... The, he seems to have so little margin for error when he's, you know, contorted like that and the ball's, you know, not that much over the rim and he seems to have no angle to make the shot. And it's I've watched NBA basketball for 40 years now. I don't think I've ever seen anybody with as unorthodox a style as Bellinelli has, but that who also is so successful with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the thing about the NBA is you don't need to remake the way these guys play. You can mm-hmm. modify it, you can tweak, but uh, nobody's going to take that away from Bellinelli. And I, I told a friend of mine at the game last night, I think he might lead the NBA in shots that he hits to lead to the other team calling a timeout because they seem so impactful. It yeah. better be a two or a three. He hits a shot, you know, the other team, the shot clock might be winding down. He throws one in. It, it looks like it's, you know, a broken play, but that's his style. And I think it happened at least twice last night, and it seems to happen every game where he hits a shot. It's just, yeah. it's so alienates the other team that they have to call timeout. So, again, that's not a stat. I don't think anybody keeps shots that lead to the other team's timeouts. But, man, that guy, he's, he hits money balls, and uh, they come at great times. Yeah, he also uh, chipped in uh, five rebounds uh, for San Antonio in the win over the Pistons. And speaking of the win over the Pistons, uh, they got a win, which is great. As mentioned before, it stopped their um, their losing streak. Um, it, was a, it was a win. Uh, would you have categorized that as a must-win for San Antonio at this point of the NBA season, considering the rodeo road trip, Jim? Yep. Definitely. I would even go further. I don't think they played a good game in, what, three weeks? You know, like the best games they played on the road trips were losses, so it's hard to quantify that as a good game. I guess the Toronto game. You know, there's no moral victories in the NBA, but, you know, you play well and lose, I guess you're not going to, you know, you go home and kick a dog. But I, I still think to really get excited about a game, you got to win it. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they were too excited about the one game they won on the rodeo road trip. So, yeah. yeah, you're going back to, you know, the early part of February to when they felt good about themselves. Now, maybe this will be a stretch. they got some tough teams coming, but mm-hmm. you know, they can rise. You can sometimes play the level of the competition. And you, these are measuring stick games with Oklahoma City and Denver. Uh, these are two teams that are above them in the West. And not that they're going to catch either one of them, but it should be nice to beat them and uh, you know, show them that, hey, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's March now and it's time to start winning and uh, get in playoff form. So I think uh, that game could have been one of those that turns the season around. You know, we might look back at it and say, all right, mm-hmm. rodeo road trip, past tense back home you know the rims look bigger the environs of at&t center and, yeah you know maybe maybe i'll be well with the world again you know we could be sitting here a week and talking about them being on a winning streak yeah and uh, you know the, the way they played on defense if they can bring that kind of intensity and cohesiveness uh, i think the the final two months of the season are, are going to be pretty nice 
Yeah, and the good news is, is as uh, you mentioned, uh, defensively they were stellar versus the Pistons, 93 points uh, for Detroit. And Popovich highlighted um, that the uh, held the Brooklyn Nets to 101 points, even though it was a loss, but he really walked away from that game saying that he can sleep well knowing that the Spurs brought some effort despite the loss on the defensive end. So hopefully we're seeing that rounded to form, uh, crossing fingers, but as you mentioned, the Spurs definitely have uh, two big um, games coming up. At least they're at home, Jim, versus Thunder, versus Nuggets. Uh, two teams that are going to be really tough. Hopefully the Spurs will get the uh, win. And hopefully, you know, the Spurs will reveal Yaka Pirtle's jersey hanging in the AT&T Center <laughs> versus the Thunder. Uh, instant retirement for <laughs> Yaka Pirtle. This, the, the, he'll be the first ever to have his jersey retired, Jim, while still playing. While he's playing. I think you're lobbying to be the the president of the Jakob Pertl <laughs> fan club. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, just, just, I I really like the kid. Um, you know, I saw him uh, even before you know the trade went down with Toronto. Uh, play with the Raptors, and um, he just I liked his motor. I liked uh, you know I was like that's the kind of guy that the Spurs need a young guy rim protector. Um, would you dare I say um, Rosho Nesterovich type? <laughs> Um, oh, no, the only thing I can think is uh, it sounds as you rush as you rave about him that they get a little man crush on him. Oh uh, no! Okay, we're gonna take our <laughs> next break <laughs> on that note, uh, and uh, uh, yeah. So when we come back, uh, we're gonna talk about an article that Jim uh, wrote about, and that is TV ratings and the Spurs. Uh, we'll be right back. We are back, and I'm joined by Jim Blefko, my colleague at News Force San Antonio. Jim, uh, you wrote another column uh, for the Spurs Zone, News Force San Antonio, fox29sanantonio.com, which really, really, really set uh, Spurs fandom and even local radio stations in San Antonio afire. There's been a report, I believe, uh, Sports Business Journal, or Business Journal, I know you'll correct me, uh, Jim, uh, that uh, recently reported that the uh, Spurs uh, TV viewership ratings are down, and they're down big. And is this a good thing or a bad thing, considering the fact that there's so many factors uh, that fans were highlighting uh, to you in your article, saying, well, you know, because people use tablets, they're not using their TV. Or is this something that the Spurs really got to look into and say, hmm, we got to fix this? Well, you can make what you want out of TV ratings. Um, I've been following them for about 30 years now in my professional mm-hmm. career. Uh, I used to write a, a radio TV column, and you're right. They are complicated. There are always lots of factors. But at the end of the day, you know, teams are pretty happy when they're going up, and teams are pretty sad and look for excuses when they're going down. And, uh, and if you want to step away from the Spurs for a minute, uh, it was interesting to note that not only is the NBA down about 17 or 18% on TNT, but uh, the big metro markets, New York, Chicago, Boston, uh, they're just they're hemorrhaging viewers this year, and these are the regional um, you know networks, you know like we see with Fox Sports Southwest, and it's probably understandable in New York the team's terrible, Chicago the team's terrible, Boston underperforming, but then in Cleveland uh, where they lost LeBron, I think they were down over fifty percent, but then you look at the Lakers who picked up LeBron and they're up about forty or fifty percent, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some of the other teams Dallas was one of the ones whose numbers you know had, had escalated dramatically because they've got you know good young talent, fun team to watch. And then you come to San Antonio, and, uh, you know, down about a third over last year. So, uh, you know, I think it's something to be concerned with. I don't think it means, you know, the end is near. But uh, the point I made in the column was the problem with, I think, in my opinion, why a lot of people are not tuning in Spurs games is 
the combination of they're not as exciting as they once were. They don't have the kind of star power that they did mm-hmm. when the you know the big three were here, and that without with the kind of defense they've been playing throughout a lot of the season, purists don't enjoy watching a Spurs team get torched for 130 points. Yeah, and you watch a couple of those games, and it just it's almost nauseating because fans here are so sophisticated and they know so much about good basketball that when they don't see it. Uh, it's led to the fact that a lot of them, this is just not destination viewing. You know, so many people in San Antonio set their schedules by when the Spurs are going to play. And if they're not going to the games, they're making sure they're at home to watch them. And I don't think in the last year or two that it's been the same, you know, avid nature among Spurs fandom to plan their lives around Spurs games. And I think it's a shame. This is a fun team. I catch every game, you know, a couple exceptions, but I, I still plan my life around when they play. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think you're seeing some more of the casual fans saying, you know what, there are other things out there. And, and sure, you know, some of the, the, the viewers are not being measured now. You know, they're streaming, there's watching right. in bars, there's watching on their devices, but this holds true for every team. So, you know, the fact that the ratings are up in L.A. and down in some of these other markets, they all have the same issues. So I think the Spurs are monitoring it. Um, you know, it's a factor. Uh, they're not going to change really much of what they do. They're not going <clears> to <throat> draft players just because they think they'll help the ratings. Right. They're committed to winning the right way. But I think it's something to watch, and it'll be really interesting uh, the next time we see the numbers update to see if they change at all. Uh, and then again next year to see if this is a continuation of a trend or a one-year aberration. Well, I, um, in the report, um, a Spurs uh, spokesperson um, did respond saying that the local TV ratings, um, you're talking about your local TV sh- uh, stations, are actually on the rise the regional, as you mentioned, your Fox Sports Southwest, uh, et cetera, et cetera, are down. Again, just one of those quirky things, Jim. Um, in the, I guess should Spurs fans take, walk away thinking, well, okay, at least San Antonio's tuning in as opposed to the nation or Texas. Yeah, you know, again, you can take these numbers and dissect them and find, you know, segments where the numbers are yeah. skyrocketing. You know, maybe among women, 35 to 40. 40 yeah. who, uh, you know, live in this side of town and, uh, you know, have three children, uh, are up by 25%. I mean, you, you can play with these numbers all you want. Um, I don't think that the, uh, I think Fox Sports Southwest has the lion's share of the game. So I, yeah. that would be the number I think I would pay the most attention to. Right. Um, you know, I, the, the Spurs are not the draw on the road that they used to be. Um, I know you, you've got some, uh, you know, insight yeah. in that regard. But, uh, you know, when teams have the Spurs that. on the schedule back in the day with, with Timmy yeah. and and Manu and Tony, that was a, a circle the you know circle the date on the calendar kind of thing. Hey, the Spurs are coming. We know we're going to have a big crowd. I don't think it's that way anymore. You know, as much as local fans might enjoy, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan, those aren't the kind of styles that you know excite cities. You know, when the Spurs come to town. So, and I'm not sure how exciting their styles are for for San Antonians. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we kind of like our home, we like our heroes homegrown. And yeah. neither of those two, you know, started their careers here. So it, it takes a while to, uh, you know, form that kind of attachment. Uh, you know, look at the instant uh, love affair with Alani Walker the fourth, who, you know, really hasn't done a whole lot on the court here. <laughs> yeah. But some would say he's more popular than some of the Spurs' best players. And I think it comes to the fact that when you see the entire body of work of a professional athlete's career, you feel a little bit of a, of a kindred spirit, uh, you know, a kinship to those players. And it takes a little while to, to win fans over when you're a newbie. Um, you know, I would argue that uh, DeRozan might still be a newbie, although he's been here you know, almost an entire year. Mm-hmm. Aldridge is certainly not a newbie anymore. So right. you think that that you know that they the fans know enough about these players now to you know form more of an attachment. But uh, this is the inevitable, I think, uh, after the Tim Duncan era, you know, impact 
this is not the kind of team that has the kind of stars that fans have been used to seeing for the last 20 years. So it's going to take a while to, you know, form those bonds and that, those tight allegiances. Uh, and we'll see if it ever happens. You know, it, most teams don't stay, you know, playoff caliber for, for decades like the Spurs have. So hopefully they, they sneak in again this year. But uh, I don't think people expect a championship. And I don't think most Spurs fans see one on the immediate horizon. So it's going to yeah. be interesting to see as they settle back to that next level if the fan avidity will continue at the level that it's been. Yeah, um, but seeing San Antonio have um, consecutive losing streaks, uh, getting blown out, um, you know, by, by the Knicks, um, you know, uh, dropping games to the Bulls the way they did in San Antonio. I mean, I don't think that helps the situation. Uh, fans see that, and then they go, well, well I'm going to watch the next game. You know, likely it's going to happen again. They're playing, uh, making this up, um, Team X, and Team X is the worst team in the NBA, and they're going to still get stomped. So I think that plays a big part of it, too. And, uh, yeah, you and I did speak uh, with an NBA uh, official recently, and um, the person told me that, that yeah, that they're, they're noticing that the Spurs aren't a draw anymore um, whenever they go on the road. Um, so I think that's also a factor too, but could have fooled me, uh, you, you know, because, um, of the few games that I have joined the Spurs on the road, on the road trips, um, fans turn out, uh, I see them in the stadium, but again, they're not watching on TV. So again, another impact in that aspect, Jim. And then two other little factors I didn't get into a column, but you know, uh, from a political perspective, Greg Popovich has been pretty outspoken in the last few years about some of his ideas about politics and social issues. And uh, while those might be popular with some aspects of the fan base, they're unpopular with other aspects of the fan base. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have to you know, spend a lot of time in this market to hear from people who say that they're upset with that and they're not going to support the team. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how seriously I take that. And I think uh, when a team is playing you know, close to 500 ball, it's easier to say that. If they were, uh, you know, a 60-win team, uh, I think that just kind of goes by the wayside. But uh, when they're struggling and when they're fighting for their playoff lines, you know, you hear more talk like that. Um, and, and it has been evident uh, at, at the AT&T Center. You see mm-hmm. empty seats. And, uh, you yeah. know, back in the day, you know, if somebody had tickets, boy, those would be snatched up in a second. Mm-hmm. Now you see on the resale market that uh, for a lot of the, you know, when the Orlandos, you know, teams like that come to town, Cleveland, you know, those kind of teams that aren't the, the big draw anymore, Tickets aren't that hard to come by. I guess Cleveland's a bad example because that's a special game. But, you know, the teams that, uh, you know, the Atlantas and Orlandos, teams that you just don't, you know, view as high-interest games, you can get into the AT&T Center relatively cheaply. So, Mm -hmm. uh, again, that's just the inevitable nature of the ups and downs of a franchise. But uh, this is not uh, a high watermark. And, again, we're seeing it with the TV ratings and we're seeing it uh, with the attendance. Uh, While they're announcing sellouts, uh, you know, it doesn't pass the eyeball test. for some of these lower interest games, even you know the game the other night with Detroit, there were seats to be had, and uh, traffic was very easy getting in and out of the AT&T Center, and concession lines were not uh, not too long. <laughs> so these are all anecdotal things, but uh, just a different vibe these days, you know, around the Spurs. Yeah, it definitely is, and you know, I, I think it'll spike again. You know, if the Spurs do make the postseason. Um, you know, maybe fans just say, well, I'll tune in when the Spurs are uh, fighting for a playoff spot or when they're in the thick of things. And maybe that's just the norm now. Uh, wake me up uh, when we're, what do they say, Jim? Wake me up when we're about to end the season or we're, we're in playoffs. And yep. that's when I'll tune in. I think that, that has a lot to do with it, too. You mix in, as we mentioned, the losing and Popovich's thoughts outside of basketball. You, 
you, you know, the trade, I think uh, the the Kawhi Leonard thing, I think that really left a nasty taste with Spurs fans. Um, the, you look at them now, they're starting to blame Pop. They'll blame, they'll blame Pop for the situation. You see, Poppy, it was your stubbornness. You, you, you didn't cave in. And now we're left with this team. I'm not going to tune in anymore. So I think there's just so much that goes into this. Uh, and But you highlighted that uh, pretty well. And uh, listeners, if you want to read uh, Jim's article about TV ratings and the Spurs, uh, go to the Spurs Zone, News for San Antonio, Fox 29 San Antonio. It was a great article. And as I mentioned, and I even messaged you, Jim, the, the, the morning I found out, uh, local San Antonio radio stations were talking about it. Uh, so you really struck a nerve. Jim, and yeah. I think this is something that's been on Spurs fans' mind, at least in San Antonio's mind as well. That's why we do what we do, right? To give talk radio fodder. <laughs> so glad, glad they're reading us and, and keeping up with what we're doing over uh, on our websites. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a great, uh, a great website to go to, and not because I'm tooting my my horn or Jim's going to toot his horn about the articles, but they really are good, and it's it's a site that you don't want to neglect any minute every any day i feel bad jim i gotta admit i feel i do feel bad for the amount of volume that's put out i i get i i start worrying i go oh my god i hope the guys don't think that i'm you know not not giving them their time in in the, in the spotlight but there's just so much and i think that's what makes the spurs zone so good it's just that if they need they spurs fans need information on the silver and black that's there it's true, and I, the only thing I don't think I see is the link to the Yaka Purtle fan club. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to expect a I'm going to expect a hot link uh, before too long, and uh, with your with all the particulars on how to get hold of you. <laughs> hey, right, I, I think you're going to be uh, uh, letting me know like when your articles get to go. I'll set it for you, and then you'll give it one more look. You say, "Why is there a link to this Yaka Purtle site that came out of nowhere?" <laughs> oh, darn you, Jeff! You put it in there. Uh, but no, but as uh, well, kidding aside, uh, go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio, Fox 29 San Antonio. Uh, all things you need for the silver and black. My writings are there, Jim's writings are there, the rest of the crew, they're there to um, updating you on the latest and greatest, including Scottie Pippen actually said, you know what, LeBron James needs to get off any type of all time NBA team list and replace him with Tim Duncan. Jim, I think that was kind of a no-brainer. What about you? Well, that may be his fodder for the next column. Uh, you know, if you were in debate uh, back in high school, they said you should be able to argue either side of an argument and debate mm-hmm. it equally well. And uh, as I thought about that, I know what my first reaction was, but I think my second reaction was I think I could argue either side of that debate. Yeah. You know, we live in a society that is so much about what have you done lately. And certainly, you know, what LeBron has done lately is, uh, you know, much more, you know, resonates in our minds than, you know, what Timmy did. Uh, but, man, uh, I'll put Duncan's career up against anybody. And uh, that was interesting oh, yeah. to hear what Pippen had to say. And uh, I might ponder that one and uh, maybe weigh in next week just to see if uh, you know I can alienate a few more people around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you, you've been doing a good job with that with your articles, your weekly articles <laughs> at the uh, Spurs Zone. Uh, but, yeah, but that article there, uh, hear and watch uh, Scotty Pippen exactly explain why. Tim Duncan needs to be on any all-time NBA team list. It's right there at the Spurs Zone. Jim, why don't you tell the listeners uh, how they can interact with you? Well, I'm uh, easy to find. Go on Twitter and look for at Jim Lefko, and uh, you can find links to the stories I've written. And uh, if you're civil, I'll uh, entertain whatever uh, <laughs> things you have to say about my columns. Agree or disagree, I've been in it long enough that uh, it doesn't bother me at all if someone disagrees and has an intelligent point to make. I'm happy to interact with them and, uh, and flesh it out. So uh, follow us uh, both on Twitter. You'll, you'll come up with some interesting feedback and conversations. 
Yeah, and uh, if for those of y'all who are interested in gaming and video games, uh, that's kind of uh, been on the rise of late. The NBA is really taking a hold of that niche community. The Spurs are starting to finally come around. Jim, you had a really good article. It's not on the Spurs zone, but uh, in San Antonio, they're setting up a gaming site now. Uh, can you talk about sure. that a little bit? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Port San Antonio, which is down by uh, the old Kelly Air Force Base, um, is getting a, about a $20 million project together that's going to be uh, revolve around an e-arena. And then uh, they're going to do all kinds of things in there, from robotics yeah. competitions to drone racing to uh, e-gaming. And uh, just today it was announced that uh, former Mayor Henry Cisneros' company is uh, going to be a partner um, with the folks at Port San Antonio to get this thing off the ground. And because mm-hmm. they already have the building, the, the building that they're going to have the e-games in is already built. They just need to kind of build it out. So they were telling me, uh, I think it was on Monday when I was out there, that uh, this thing could be open as soon as next year. Wow. So that's pretty cool. And, and with the Cisneros involvement, they're talking about a second building. And it's a real high-tech corridor. They do a lot of cybersecurity out there. And they're trying to, under one roof, have a, a place where uh, all these bright people can go ch- chat, interact, and solve problems that we didn't even know existed. Um, yeah. So it, it's a really cool project. I can't wait to see this thing open up and the uh, you're more of the e-games expert than I am, but I'll definitely be making a trip over there to see uh, what this is all about. Uh, and it's oh, supposed yeah. to be, like I said, a 1,500-seat arena. I think it's a building wow. that has like 300,000 square feet. Um, so it's pretty cool, a neat project, and uh, great to see them use uh, you know part of the town that uh, doesn't maybe get all the development that the other side of San Antonio get. And uh, there's some smart people over there doing some really cool things. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to be all about. Yeah, the NBA has a uh, 2K league and there are a good handful of teams that have a franchise. Uh, for example, the Knicks have a franchise. The Suns have a franchise. I think the Mavericks have a franchise. Uh, but the Spurs don't. Uh, the Spurs, uh, I've been told, uh, through my nerd sources, as I call them, uh, <laughs> that San Antonio is up for one. And I think that is more than likely going to happen, Jim, simply because the Spurs are going to put on the first time ever an e-gaming tournament this uh, uh, this end of the regular season league in, in March. They're having one. Um, the NBA uh, last season, Jim, I know they, I've never told you this, but last season uh, when they had the first ever NBA 2K league draft, they told me, no, uh, we're not going to give you a media pass simply because, well, the Spurs don't have a team and there's no reason for you to be here. So, But this wow. season, um, this year, they granted me one and uh, they actually invited me to go. So I will be covering the NBA 2K League draft. So hmm, I'm wondering what's going on here. Are they trying to pump up the San Antonio market already? It, uh, from my opinion and from my viewpoint, it, it sounds like they could be. Now you couple this with this e-gaming arena. It's all coming together, Jim. I see it in my yeah. head. Very cool. Well, maybe the maybe the next Tim Duncan of e-gaming is uh, is alive and well in San Antonio. So you won't be able to write about uh, his or her fortunes as well. So cool. Yeah. It's neat to have uh, other entertainment options. Yeah, it's definitely cool. So, uh, yeah, but uh, listeners, yes, I will be in Brooklyn, New York for the uh, 2019 NBA 2K League draft. And I am going to find out whether or not San Antonio is going to get a franchise or not. I got to know. I got to know. In my day, Jim, I used to be a really good gamer. Uh, as much as I'm a big kid at heart and I'm a big nerd on social media, I'm actually kind of old for my age. So, but uh, in my day, yeah, I, 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 I used to pick up uh, the Pong. Wait, is that still? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder the if the, uh, the draft, yeah, the draftees at the uh, the the uh, NBA 2K draft will be uh, attired the same way that the uh, NBA players uh, are when they get drafted. Uh, <laughs> no, it'll be interesting to do a, a fashion comparison. Something tells me the the NBA players may, may be spending a little bit more money on their clothes than the uh, 
the, the what the two K players, but the you can you can tell the whole world about the that and more when they have the draft. Well, I, uh, Jim, I, I've told you this too. Uh, I found out that the Knicks uh, gaming uh, team actually contacted one of the um, the e gaming companies in San Antonio um, about an article that we did at the Spurs Zone and what they're doing. So again, you know, something's coming up. It, it sounds like something's going to happen. Hopefully, San Antonio gets that because I think in San Antonio there's a big gaming population. I've seen it. I know about it. Uh, I confess I'm a mega nerd. It don't matter. I love anything kind of nerdy, and that's one of the things I like. And, uh, Jim, you'll be proud to know the Spurs Zone has the uh, nerds uh, niche community in, in our site. So we have that in our pocket. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and if they can commingle uh, that audience with Spurs fans and uh, yeah. you know, bring out the, the best in both, hey, more power to everybody. You know, like I exactly. like said, it, if it's another cool entertainment option for the city of San Antonio, I'm all for it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully San Antonio will get a franchise. I think it'll be fun. I, I think uh, San Antonio definitely the Spurs. That is, um, are looking at that. Uh, but uh, Jim and I rambled along enough for you. Uh, we're taking advantage of the fact that we actually have good quality for once. That's exactly why we're doing this. <laughs> but um, we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, what did you think about the Spurs win over the Pistons? Like it? Don't like it? Uh, you know, wins a win. Is that your mentality? Uh, what about Jaja? Is it time to let that go as well as Kawhi Leonard go? No more booing Pachulia. What are your thoughts on the, the ratings? Hmm, do you like it? Don't care? Does it really bother you, bother you because you watch it on your tablet? We need to know. You heard from Jim on how to contact him. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffGSpurzone. Email me at JeffGarcia74 at gmail.com. And again, just, just for everybody to listen to, again, Jim's uh, Twitter is at J-P-O-E-L-T-L. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> kidding. It's Had to at sneak one more in there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no. At Jim Lefko. Uh, give him a follow. He's a great uh, one to follow on social media. But for Jim Lefko, I am Jeff Garcia, and we're going to put a lock on this episode of Lockdown Spurs. Mm-hmm.